0: Hi there, before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to tell you about an issue of Design Museum Magazine we're working on and how you can help. The issue is called the policing issue, how one of the most powerful institutions functions by design, out later this spring. You can help this special issue come to life via Kickstarter. With your support, it'll feature 16 artists, designers, researchers, and writers of color paid for their contributions to this special edition of the magazine. The Policing Issue will explore the relationships between design and policing, from the physical objects currently in use by officers, to the ways in which design perpetuates unjust practices rooted in policing, and we'll even talk about the design of the protest movement. Help us raise $20,000 between March 1st and March 30th to help make this special issue happen and help us make important impact with this content. Check out designmuseumeverywhere.org and click on support our Kickstarter campaign to learn more and make your pledge. Hello, welcome to Design is Everywhere, the weekly podcast from the Design Museum. And welcome to our live show. I'm your host, Sam Aquilano. I'm the founder and executive director of Design Museum Everywhere. Each week on our show, we tackle a different element of design and explore how it impacts our everyday lives. We always have the help of a new guest co-host who is an expert in their field, and we interview a guest about their work in design because design is everywhere. So are we. This episode is our first live show for our new live podcast episode series, so we have a great audience with us. Each month, members of Design Museum get a chance to watch a live podcast recording and ask their questions for the guests. Today, we are talking about launching a movement through graphic design and the role and responsibility of designers to be agents of change. I'm extremely lucky to have two experts in visual communication, branding, and graphic design for social impact here today. I'm joined by our guest co-host, Yvette Perullo. Yvette is an educator, designer, writer, and co-founder of Renourish, a nonprofit organization that provides online tools for action in the visual communication design community. And later, we'll be joined by Jesse McGuire, the Managing Director at Thought Matter, a brand design studio whose work includes posters for the 2017 Women's March. Together, we will chat about the power of graphic design and social impact. Before we dive in some news from the Design Museum, check out our We Design Exhibition conversation cards. These incredibly well-designed cards bring our We Design Exhibition to your home, right to you. We Design is an exhibition that we put together that brings together creatives from different backgrounds to examine and celebrate the range of career paths and applications and their impact in design. The deck includes stories from creatives in a variety of design industries, and it includes statistics and topics of discussion around diversity and equity in design. The deck can be used alone or with friends. Hey, you can even use it over Zoom, why not? And it's available to order now on designmuseumeverywhere.org. To start off our chat, we have Yvette Perulo. Yvette's career spans 22 years of creative leadership. She is currently the visiting professor of communication design at MassArt in Boston. As a partner and co-founder of Renourish, Yvette has helped build an independent resource and set of tools to foster sustainable design practice. She even co-authored the book, Design to Renourish, Sustainable Graphic Design in Practice. So I think we have the right person here. Yvette's designs help the pragmatic designer make responsible design decisions for the common good. Yvette, it's great to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: To start, that you've had so many roles. You're an educator, designer, co-founder, writer. When you started off as a graphic designer, how would you characterize the role of a graphic designer? And then I'm also curious, when did you start combining like social and environmental issues into your work?
1: When I first started out of uh, undergrad, I was an illustration major and um, I didn't have a job. And I fell into this role of designing ads for the Yellow Pages. I didn't know really what graphic design was. I didn't really even know how to use any of the software. I barely knew how to turn on a computer at the time. But luckily, the hiring manager was a kind woman who was a fine artist. And she gave me, I guess, leeway to, or <laughs> had some hope in my abilities. But I turned out to really love it. And I and I started you know, learning more and taking classes and, and launching it from there. I worked there for a long time before moving into a company called Sage Systems, which did a lot of political campaign design. And it was there I started realizing the power of design to create change and design for some nonprofits and political campaigns that we believed in. That started me thinking well, how can I use my skills to move people to take action?
0: In your education role, when you're teaching graphic design, how much of what you're teaching is sort of like rooted in the technical elements to prepare your students? And then how much is influenced by your belief and the role? true role that design can play in the world?
1: Right now, uh, we don't really teach a lot of the technical side, you know, as far as software, you know, this is Creative Suite and this is how you click on the menu. You know, those kind of skills, those come and they change, software changes, technology changes. Most of what I teach in my class is how to uh, think like a designer, design thinking, designing to communicate clearly and effectively so that people can pay attention.
0: I want to learn more about Renourish. i um, curious how the idea came about to create a nonprofit and tell us about it, the resources and how folks use them.
1: So Renourish came about uh, as part of my graduate work and I met someone who's doing something very similar. His name is Eric Benson shortly after graduating and we decided to combine our resources. We were both doing very similar things, but at the time we were really felt like we were one of the few focusing on sustainability for graphic design specifically. There are so many sustainability initiatives for other design areas, but not graphic design. So we he had an existing site. We pulled our resources together to create tools and build that out. And then over time, we figured, oh, it'd be great to make a nonprofit so that we can do more, provide more, raise money to improve the tools and talk about sustainability and, and help others bring more sustainability into that practice.
0: That led to the book, which has these great case studies. I wonder if you could share, you know, maybe one of them and talk about how sustainability has traditionally not been integrated into the design process and maybe some success.
1: Sure. The the impetus for the book was really, I was seeing a lot of theoretical projects out there, a lot of student projects, a lot of self-driven projects, and and also projects for like-minded companies. So nonprofits or sustainable companies and great design coming from those areas. We really weren't seeing a lot of sustainable design coming from your everyday organization or company. Maybe somebody that wasn't a client that isn't like-minded or have a sustainability focus, but designing in a way to bring that into a company. So we were really looking for those kinds of case studies. And unfortunately, there are not too many, but in using our own book as a case study also. And I think that's probably one of my favorite case studies from the book is the book itself and the trouble we had publishing the book in a sustainable way. And that was really our biggest goal was how can we do this book in a sustainable way and show that it can be done? And we found out very quickly that publishing is one of the areas that needs a lot of work.
0: Yeah, that relates to my next question here about, because I mentioned pragmatic design decisions, right, in your intro. So how do you define those pragmatic design decisions? What, are they, what do they look like? Can you give an example maybe of a time you had to make a pragmatic design choice?
1: Well, I can use the book example again, because it is uh, a good one. When we when we first set out, we wanted this book to be ideally as as sustainable as possible, using wheat straw paper, everything sourced locally, created locally, printed locally. And we got to a point where we we thought that might happen, but then it couldn't. And one one thing had to be taken away and it was the paper and then the printing had to go a little bit further away. We, We managed to do our best while still printing a book. But the pragmatic decisions really came from, should we still move forward with this and create a book, which is just inherently has a big environmental impact? Or, you know, we but we do want to get the message out there. We put all this work into it. We want this to happen. So in the end, we did have to concede a lot to get it done. And the book came out printed on paper that was different than what they agreed upon. So we wrote about in the book that the book was printed on, I think, 30% recycled paper, they told us. And in the end, it was 10%. So the information in the book was wrong. The publisher agreed to go back into all the books that were unsold. They they got rid of that one page and inserted a new page with the correct information wow. on it. Uh, we, we demanded you know, <laughs> that our book be correct. <laughs> um, so th- I, I think those were um, some pragmatic decisions that we we made in order to get it done.
0: I have this great quote from Scott Goodson about movements. So he says, movements, the kind that gather around positive, creative, dynamic ideas can help build a better, fairer, more sustainable and more interesting world. Movements are about mobilizing people behind a shared purpose. So I'm curious your thoughts. What does it mean to design a movement?
1: This is a great question because I did this actual project in a smaller scale with my students when I was teaching at Newberry College in um, Brookline, Mass., for two years with my seniors, and it was a year-long project, and they had to design a movement. It was really interesting. It was great. And the the second year I did this project, I merged it together with another faculty member and the communication department. And it was so insightful to see how students looked at what a movement was and how to get people excited about it. The bigger tell about a movement is not just how to design a movement and get people excited. I mean, that's our job as designers is to communicate, incite change, get people to action, to do a thing. But a successful movement can really generate tangible results and transform culture around the world, improve lives. And that's really the goal. How that happens, I think, is always different. Social media plays an enormous role in this now. Things happen so fast and word gets around so quickly. And how we can design what that looks like, I guess, depends on the movement. But we are extremely powerful in what we do. We're we're taught explicitly how to change people's minds or get people to take an action. And that's a powerful tool. And it's a tool that we need to yield responsibly. What do we want to put out there in the world? What do we want people to know? What comes up a lot with my students is I'm, you know, I'm a student, I'm looking for a job. I just need a job. And then how can I, how can I have a voice in that job? You know, I'm going to be working for some company or some agency with a boss who tells me what to do. You know, while that may be true, you do have a voice. I mean, you did four years. I mean, many, many students, four years of design school, learning how to critique and talk and talk about their work and convince us that it's relevant and convince us of your design choices. And, and you learn how to do that with others too, even people above you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for putting them out there. And thanks for sharing your perspective. You're welcome. Listeners, to learn more about Yvette's work, visit re nourish Org. And stay with us, Yvette, and we'll bring Jesse into our conversation after a quick break. If you like this podcast, check out our Kickstarter campaign for our latest magazine special issue. It's called The Policing Issue, How One of the Most Powerful Institutions Functions by Design, out later this spring. At the Design Museum, we're always working on projects that explore the transformative power of design, whether it's our educational programs, the Workplace Innovation Summit, our books, This magazine is no exception. We're tackling how institutions are defined by their design. With your support on Kickstarter, it will feature 16 artists, designers, researchers, and writers of color who will pay for their contributions to this special issue. The policing issue will explore the relationships between design and policing, from the physical objects currently in use by officers, to the ways in which the design process perpetuates unjust practices rooted in policing, all the way to the design of the protest movement. Help us raise $20,000 between March 1st and March 30th to make this happen. Check out designmuseumeverywhere.org and click on our Kickstarter campaign. We're back. Yvette and I are joined by our special guest, Jesse McGuire. Jesse is the Managing Director at Thought Matter, a design studio that is spearheading projects and campaigns that reflect the agency's culture and mission. The team at Thought Matter brings an artful perspective to their work, Jesse has worked to raise awareness and support for social issues like March for Our Lives, Girls Right Now, and the Joyful Heart Foundation. Combining brand strategy, campaigns, and digital experiences, Jesse and her team love to learn, analyze, and debate. Jesse's designs allow activists and designers to harness their creative power for a powerful message. Jesse, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So yeah, you and your team, you're working on these big projects in thoughtful ways. For instance, I saw in big letters on the site "work worth doing." We help people who stand up and stand out. So I'm wondering, what led to that mission? What does it mean? And what did you discover? Graphic design could serve as a tool for social impact.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I guess I'll start with your last question first: is how, as, as a designer, I got into to this work, and it's something I've been I've been thinking a, a lot about recently because I feel like if someone had asked me this question. Even a year and a half ago, I would have started right with my b f a at pratt and and as being a designer, but I feel like with this last year of of contemplation, I realized that a lot has to do with an origin story, a lot about who we are and our lived experience and what has made us us and I've realized that from an early age I've never fit into a box like I've never quite made sense so i was I was adopted um I was born in El salvador uh, adopted by a single single mom single woman and I I don't speak Spanish. I don't um, you know uh, fit the 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 box of somebody who who is born an immigrant in El Salvador. And even when I was in elementary school, um, everyone wanted to to help support me in some way. So I got to join banana splits, and it was for students who were going through divorces. Their parents were going through divorces, and um, I didn't fit that because my mom was um, very uh she was, she was single cuz that's what those were her choices um and but I, I loved going i got to uh i got banana splits at the end of every every session um that sounds nice yeah and so so i didn't quite like so i didn't quite fit what, what how people wanted uh, to support me as a young person. Um, and then as I got older, um, I went to Pratt. So I did my undergraduate uh, at Pratt, where I realized that there are so many uh, different cultures and so many different perspectives and so many different ways in which we, we live in the world. And I had a chance uh, to uh, join the communications design design program. And I originally was supposed to go for painting. Uh, and when the professor had told me uh, that I would be in a studio alone making work, it was like my worst nightmare. I was like, I'm not going to talk to people. So I didn't quite fit that. So they were like, okay, try to try communications design. So I got into being graphic designer and I wanted to do advertising because they told me that that would be the, the, the biggest chance to really talk about design the most. And then when I graduated, I went into advertising and I was like, this what? Where does, this is not exactly what I, I want to be doing either. Um, and again, I still didn't quite fit what exactly that that mold was. And then um, I had an amazing opportunity to join a master's program, a branding program at the School of Visual Arts. It was in their first year. they were trying to figure out what the program was. And there was uh, 23 of us. Uh, And we we didn't know there's no big alumni association. There was nothing that was like, this program is tried and true. It was like, you guys are trying this out
0: seems like a great place for you right it was and I, that way yeah. you could create yeah yeah
2: yeah um, and then when I graduated that didn't quite fit a box because what do you do with a master's in master's in branding that's not existed before <laughs> so kind of had to like carve, carve a path as to what that meant and I actually worked on the client side um, and I went to go work at Kimberly Clark uh, which is a, a large paper manufacturing speaking of
0: yeah, paper, paper,
2: which I have a lot of thoughts on, but in a different different <laughs> capacity. Um, and but I had a lot of fun there. Uh, a lot of fun. I can really Clark. I got to live in Wisconsin for three years and realized that design, as as you both have talked about, there's so much power. There's so much. There's you can wield so much as it relates to marketing and design and visual identity and shared language and, and whatnot. And so um, I had a chance to 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 talk to uh, the creative director at the time at Thought Matter, and he was like, we're Trying something new—it's a new firm, it's a new way of thinking. Uh, it was in its first year, and so I was like, "Absolutely! Like, I love, <laughs> I love being a part <laughs> yeah, of. Get me in there. Get me in there. I love being part of something that hasn't happened yet. Like, what is it? Like, let's help shape it." So uh, I was able to work with them um, from a strategy perspective, and what I realized is that strategy for clients is one thing, but strategy for an agency is a completely other other angle. And so I worked—we're founder led, so I got to work very closely with our founder, Tom. And really started to think about what are what is the role of designers? What are the role of uh, writers and strategists right now in the 21st century? And how can we expand uh, the role of what that looks like? And Tom being as wonderful and supportive as he, he's like, sure what is, what is like, what, what does that mean? And I, yeah, I got to know, let's, him. Figure it out. let's figure it out. I got to know him and he is a, uh, a wonderful, um, he's an art collector. He's a philanthropist in his own right. Um, and we got to understand what makes him tick and what makes me tick. We love education. We love the arts. We love supporting young people. We love, um, just thinking about, again, what does it mean to be a designer? So, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like it would be all neatly tied into work worth doing. It's not exactly how it happened. Uh, we had to try and experiment and we tried different things. We had different types of clients. Um, a lot of the team had a more consumer packaged good background. So we we dabbled in in packaging um, and branding. Uh, we dabbled in nonprofits and we did different things. And then we finally realized, like, let's all sit down and think, what are our shared values? What are the things that bind us together and what are the things that really keep us motivated. Um, and we actually started talking about those values were before we got to work worth doing. Um, and for the team, it is around curiosity. It's around what is and how can we always ask those questions? How can we challenge? It's about thoughtfulness. It's about what and how can we be thoughtful and purposeful in our intentions with design. And then lastly, the the one that I always uh, is, is so important right now is generosity. How can we be generous with our ideas? How can we be generous with each other? How can we just be generous with what uh gifts we've been given as as designers? And so when we thought about curiosity, thoughtfulness, and uh generosity, it really brought us to we want to do work that's important and work that matters, and everyone's always like, "Oh well, thought matter." Um,
0: <laughs> there you go
2: but i actually it was a I think it's a quote um that says that you're lucky to be able to do like work worth doing and um and I butchered that quote. But the idea is that if you wake up every day and you think about that, like, how do you make sure that you are intentional and truly? Using those talents for work that is work worth doing, and so you know we were we're all excited about it. We put it on bags, as designers do. We always want to put it on a want to put it on a tote bag, so we put it on a tote bag. But then we wanted to define it a little bit more, Um, and so the that subline that you read is is really important to us, which is we help people who stand up stand out. And that for me, as we've been talking, as you both have been talking about movements, and you've been talking about what does it mean to to get uh, people to collectively take action. um, You know, we are a graphic design, marketing, branding. Um, so we are helping those that are doing the work. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, we're not systems designers. We're not uh, going in and doing the the nitty gritty of the um, social impact work. But what we are doing is that we are helping organizations who are already doing that work.
0: Yeah. Um, you're a partner.
2: Yeah. Be able to
1: to stand stand up.
0: Yeah. I love that. So I'm going to get that tattooed work <laughs> worth doing. I need yes. the whole quote.
1: I'll send you a tote bag. <laughs> As a creative who doesn't See themselves fitting into any particular box. Do you think that really in, informs you in a different way with how you approach this kind of work? Does it give you? It must give you a unique perspective. Yeah, uh,
2: absolutely. I mean, I think that not fitting in a box helps you then define what it is. I, I, I've been talking a lot with our, our designers um, about how do we design the world so we all belong. And so, as I think about the design and graphic graphic design, especially industry. Um, for so long, it's been very, you know, everything has sort of fit into a box. The the um, There's a lot of designers out there who've always fit into a particular way of thinking and a way of doing and a way of looking at history and a way of looking at the craft. And that isn't necessarily fitting right now as we, we move into the 21st century, as we move into uh, new ways of looking at large societal problems. So how can we all design the world. So we all belong so that we all think about the things that are important to us and what gets us up, uh, in the morning. And so I think not be, not fitting into that box is really important, you know, I have a, I think I mentioned, I have a seven year old who, um, is as creative as they come. And anytime I'll say like, can you sit up normal? He's like, mom, normal is not cool. <laughs> I don't want to be normal. And I'm like, oh, okay, well then just like a sip, Proper, like I'm not sure how to say it, but I, but I think that he's so so in tune and so right. Like, what is you know what is normal, what is proper, what's a bo- You know, how do you, why would you want to fit into that box? So, um, it's something that we definitely explore with our our design practice.
0: I want to get right into it around you know what it's like for you all to design for protests for movements. I can imagine that's can be heavy, but also empowering at the same time. So I'm curious how you manage. That feeling, that heavy feeling and that kind of overwhelming, some of these problems are so big, but still bring your creativity to catalyze that action.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think catalyst is actually is, is a really great word. Something that early on as a team, we've talked a lot about is how a movement can be a catalyst for social imagination and social creativity. Uh, how a movement can uh, encourage uh, engagement and how, you know, and I think it's fundamental um, level a movement is about how do you construct that sense of belonging? Like, how do you become a part of something that's bigger than yourself? How do you become engaged and want to participate? Uh, so we do, we talk a lot about then uh, what the the responsibility is for designers uh, to to uh, engage in, in this work.
0: It strikes me, you know, every movement at some level is a community as well, right? And I'm curious if any of your work um, that you could share, like, helps that community gel in order for the movement to keep moving.
2: Yeah. absolutely. Uh, so uh, you mentioned um, at some point we did posters for the women's March. Uh,
0: right. So
2: in 2017, um, and it kind of goes to your, what you just said, Sam, about, um, it can be heavy, but empowering. So it's sort of these two things. Uh, in 2017, it was actually 2016, the election happened um, and we are uh, a bunch of um, younger designers living in New York. So when the 2016 election happened, we were all, uh, shocked and besides ourselves and had just, you know, all, um, gone to our local coffee shops where everyone was crying. So, uh, we, we were all like
1: Boston too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just—I think it was just such a shock, such a shock, as we all know. Um, and so when we got into the studio, our founder Tom, um, who is, we'll say, not part of the millennial generation, um, he is a proud boomer, and he was like, "You all need to pick yourselves up off the floor and realize that you have a chance to to make a difference, and you have a chance to really think about what our role is as as a studio." And so at the time. Uh, you know, we we gathered everyone. We had, you know, like a war room, like a lot of agencies have. And we were like, what are some things that we feel that we could do right now that will make us feel that we're um, in, engaging in, in this work? And, and so uh, a lot of ideas went up, posters. I think actually Tom said, you know what, in the 60s, like I, or late 60s, I had all these posters and we went marching and we were like, that's cool, Tom. Like tell us. Posters, yeah.
0: marching. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're like, Tom, tell us about this. But what's funny, funny enough, is that at the end of the December of 2016, the Women's March wasn't what we now know as the Women's March of 2017. It was a, uh, you know, it started on Facebook. People started thinking that they were all going to go to to Washington and women were going to um, protest the the new administration. And so we said, well, actually... Uh, There's so many people who want posters and they want design and they want the shared language, but they can't necessarily do it. Like, yes, you can get it off your printer. Or you can ask your um, your you know friends to do. But like, what if we actually created posters for people to bring down to the march? Um, which then spiraled into our, our wonderful project managers, account managers were like, okay, well, but then we have to print it, we have to pay for it, we have to ship it, we have to find people who want it. Um, and uh, shout out to them. Shout out to to Martha, our client service director. I was like, you're right, Martha. Let's figure all that out. Um, so we decided to do a crowdsource. We did uh, crowdfunding. Um, one of my my friends at Pratt actually was running at the time a crowdsourcing class. So he came in and told us, everyone always thinks it's about the funding part, but it's actually about the crowd part. Like this yeah, is how the you- community. The community. Exactly. The community. Like here's, pe- here's how you get people excited about your work. Here's how you get people excited about uh, how they can be a part of it. Um, and so we, uh, started that Kickstarter, uh, I think right before the holidays, which then required us to work over the holidays, but, um, and it was amazing. We raised, you know, over, uh, we raised th- thousands of dollars to be able to print 10,000 posters. We were able to ship them out. So our, our wonderful logistics team were able to get them out to everybody. And then the marches happened. And I think the important part for our team was that not only were we able to get the posters out, but that we were also able to engage in the march. Uh, so we had a bunch of uh, team on the ground in um, New York. We had a team in the ground in, in DC uh, and we even had folks on the West coast. Uh, so we were bringing the, the posters and I, uh, I actually had the chance to to pass out the posters in New York, which was absolutely incredible i think I think I was like six months pregnant, and I was like, I'm gonna make this all happen.
1: <laughs> that must have been so amazing to see that take shape you know and be able to go down there and witness how your design had so much impact firsthand and be a part of that such a powerful time.
2: yeah, there were plenty of times where we were like let's just keep do let's just keep doing it and like we had to balance like not becoming the poster company um Uh, But we've now done – I think we've done three sets of posters. We did two for women. So the Women's March in 2017. uh, We did a series of posters for uh, March for Our Lives – um, and then we did another series of posters in 2018 and at the time the women's March there were some questions about you know who, who is it representing and again thinking about designers in our role um, we kind of questioned that like what who who is this women's march now for who is it is supporting so we actually said we, we want to support young the young voices young wi- young women young girls um, so we worked with a, a high school uh, senior uh, she came in um, schooled us all on what it means to be a 17 year old living in New York City. Um, And she actually art directed us. uh, And we created a series of posters that we then sent to uh, youth organizations throughout the country, so that they could distribute to their young girls who are having their own their own marches. Uh, So it was like a slight slight tweak to to our 2017. Um, Because I said, one of the things that we always talk about is, is that curiosity. So we're always asking ourselves, how can we do it? Um, Why are we doing it? And are there ways to do it differently?
0: I'm curious. um, And you mentioned some of this as you were talking about how you choose projects or uh, work that matters. But I'm wondering, like when you get the project, does your team have sort of like a criteria that they're designing for around making this impact? Or like, I don't want to say a checklist because I'm sure every project has its own mission. But curious, like your process and how you approach it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what has always been uh, important for us is is understanding what the, the objective of the project is and what is the objective of the client and what are they really trying to deliver Tom always brings this up. If like it were, if we were just designing for ourselves, we would be like, here's why and how we want to do it. But we really do need to think about uh, how it's impactful for for the client. Um, so if we're working with a nonprofit and the the project is uh, the goal is fundraising, uh, we are really trying to understand who that client is, who are they who are they targeting, um, what is the money going for, like how do you help them uh, refine that message. And so we we really you know try to, to figure that out. If we're working with a uh, let's say a, a arts museum, um, uh, we recently we did a project with the, the Rubin Museum, and that was what was really important for us as a, as a team was to actually go to the Rubin, go and see the shows, go and understand who who visits, go to understand uh, what was at the the root of the show that they're putting on. Um, and so you know when I think about all of that, if I had to, to sum it up for us, it's all about that intentionality. We always design with intention, with purpose, and we always wanted to be as authentic
1: to that, like I said, that client and in in those objectives as possible. As, as an educator now working with college students, I, I see a lot of students leaning in the direction of designing for social change, social justice, environmental um, sustainability, equity. So what would your words of wisdom be, Jesse, for designers and students who would like to get to be able to do what you do and get into this area? What would be some advice you would
2: give yeah, that, that's a great question. I think something uh, that we talked about, and like I said, if I were to think about a movement, right, getting and I think you both talked about it, how you get people to uh, take action. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's all about those values. And I, I mentioned this before, but values. And I feel like what we talk about with even our young designers and our interns, and if I had to give advice to to young people, is to say really understand what your values are. Like, what are your core values? What makes you want? Like, if you say, "Oh, I want to do social impact work," why? Like what is it about your life experience? what is it about your that lived experience? what is it about the the world around you that's uh, that's uh, driving you towards that that work? Uh, and what are then those values? and what are the things that you you know are the stakes in the ground that you're not gonna really budge on. Um, And then I think you find the, either if it's an agency, you find an agency that shares those values. If you're going on the client side, you find the client that shares those values. If you're um, going into education, you're finding an institution or a, um, you know, a group of people who also share those values. Because as we have seen, you know, we are seeing some, some work that feels very performative, right? People feel like, oh, I'm going to, put this out there about um, something that's happening and it feels like it's trendy or it feels like I, I should say, I should say something about, you know, uh, uh, something that's happening, like I said, in culture. Uh, and if you don't believe in it and you don't actually know why you want to participate or why you want to be a part of this, whatever this movement is, it's going to fall flat because you don't actually know what's driving you, what's coming in, like I said, that core. So that would be my advice for, for, for young people is just know what, what you stand for. Know what um, is important, what makes you tick, and why you want to do this work and what's going to get you out of bed every day, even if your desk is right next to your bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like me. i want to get an audience question in. Uh, I've got a question from Christine. Uh, I think this is for both of you. As a designer who's committed to doing meaningful work, your stories are so inspiring. I love Jesse's value words, curiosity, thoughtfulness, generosity. I notice that these words are often considered at odds with making money. What is one tip you have for making a career of meaningful work? Do you have a hard time convincing people that work that matters is important and worth paying for? Or are all of your clients already on board for that? I'll start with you, Jesse.
2: I mean, I think this is something that we talk at length about um, is how do you build a business? How do you build a business around work worth doing? So again, you can talk about it from values, shared values, and you talk about the work, um, which is always my favorite topics. Uh, But then how do you build that business around it? And I think, um, and I don't know who is probably one of our our strategists or somebody in our our office, they had said, which I think is is so important, is that brands are like politicians. They will adapt to the worldview of their most profitable consumers. And so I do think that it is really important to uh, you know, as as designers and as companies and as agencies, ask the really critical questions of our clients, like why are you doing this work? How can we do it um, as designers? What 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 does that what does that look like? Um and you know, we we there are times where we don't take projects on. Um, you know, I, I think when, and we've all said it that design is powerful, there's a responsibility to it, we wield that. But, like, what does that really mean? Um, you know, even when you're talking about uh, movement, Sam, I mean, just at the beginning of this year, we saw a movement happen at the Capitol. I mean, we saw what design and shared language can do to bring people together to co- cause harm and, and to actually...
0: Those folks had branded merchandise. I mean, they they... Yeah, it was designed.
2: Yeah, and so I mean, there, there, there's all. Yeah, we we looked at all that merchandise. There were flags. There were um, costumes. I mean, there were so. Like I said, there was so much shared language happening there that uh, it was a part of a, a movement. And uh, some designer designed all of that. Some designer. Uh, there are designers that are pulling that together, and they're using the same uh, tools that we're talking about. That got you're talking about. Uh, we should be using for sustainability, and we should be using to. Th- Think about climate and a healthier planet. And so I, I think that a, a really big um, component of how do you, how do you? Make money off of all of this um, is to understand what the value of that design is um, and to understand what that means for and what that means for an organization um, and to find the clients and that share those same those same values um so you know I, I will say that in full transparency as a as a studio like it is a constant work in progress of how you build a business around around work worth doing how do you find the clients that are willing to take the chance uh, that are willing to ask those those bigger questions don't get me on my um pro bono uh,
1: <laughs> i have a whole i have a whole soapbox <laughs> about pro bono because that
2: shouldn't exist per- anyway
1: we're still professionals and we still need to pay the bills and so there's there's a way to merge the two by doing design that matters design responsible design environmentally friendly design social movement design um, designed for social equity and still manage to pay the bills. And I think there's ways to be creative about it, but you know, when I was at a company called Bartlett Creative in Concord, Mass, a lot of our clients were uh, like-minded clients, environmentally responsible nonprofits. Um, but I think people just tend to see the value in design and how it can, you know, make their organization grow, reinforce and advance their mission. And so I think people are learning more and more lately that design does have a lot of value and it's important and and needed.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. I love this conversation. Thank you both. And thank you, Jesse, so much for sharing such cool stuff that you all are doing in your mission. Listeners to check out Jesse's work, check out thoughtmatter.com. And we're going to take a quick break and then we'll return for our weekly dose of good design. Okay, we're back and it's my favorite time of the week. We're each going to share our weekly dose of good design. Good design that has impacted us or others in some meaningful way. I'll go first. So my weekly dose this week is a website called MA, as in Massachusetts, (laughs) COVID Vaccines. So I'm pretty sure everyone uh, has been seeing the vaccine rollout is pretty rough with a lot of competing information and just not great tools. I still think it's totally wild that they're asking folks who are 75 and older to book appointments online. It's been really hard to see what appointments are available and where, but a 28-year-old software developer named Olivia Adams noticed that uh, her mother-in-law was having these tough times signing up for a COVID vaccine. And then she looked at these websites and about booking appointments and everything was so decentralized uh, as she mentioned to CNN she said there are a thousand different websites to go to and everything was disorganized so she went to work and made a new site that pulls in vaccination appointments from across the state it makes it very easy to see what's available how to book it where to go by the way she did this all while she's on parental leave so she has a two-month-old son and, and another child <laughs> um, so you know, go her during nap time maybe Uh, The site is very simple. Uh, It shows the vaccine locations, the dates, and how many slots are available on each date. And then there's a one button, sign up. Um, And I always think the simplest designs are usually hiding so much complexity that the designer or designers have worked to make accessible for the user. Um, And so her site is pulling in all this data from different uh, websites. Uh, And in her interview, she mentioned, the hardest part about it is that every website um, has availability information, she had to train her website to read that website as if a human would, right? Because the data is so varied. So it's really like looking at a site and recording the data, but automatically. So cool. Um, her site displays all this information in a single, consistent, easy to use way. Very cool. So check out the site. It's macovidvaccines.com. Avet, you're next.
1: My dose of good design is uh, Woken Coffee. <laughs> um, I love my Nespresso machine. Admittedly, um, I was just be excited about the fact that they would recycle their capsules. So they're aluminum, and you can send them back. They provide UPS, you know, bags that you can send back in the mail, and you don't have to pay for the shipping. So that was great. But there were some questions about whether they were really getting recycled, and you know, the shipping and emissions and all of those issues that go along with it. And I discovered this coffee company called Woken, which creates compostable Nespresso capsules. And I am smitten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they they compost in uh, 90 days if you compost at home and they're uh, the same size. They work in Nespresso machines. And as a coffee lover, um, this is my favorite thing right now.
0: That's awesome. Love it. Thank you. And then Jesse.
1: Thinking about my dose of good
2: design, I was thinking about movements and thinking about what how, like how do movements happen. Um, there's usually a change in society, right? That the challenge is a cultural norm, and it's about bringing people together emotionally. And nothing has disrupted my life more obviously than um, COVID and, and being uh, very responsible of staying at home. Um, and so in the summer, I took a leap and I ordered a Peloton.
0: Oh, nice. And
2: I definitely was somebody in 2019, I think it was when their commercial came out. I was all a hater. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? This husband's supposed to get his wife a Peloton. Like, what a what a silly commercial. But I ordered it. Um, and I will say that it is by far the best purchase and investment that I've made in my own physical health my mental health um, and I really uh, kudos to the peloton team across the board designed from the hardware of the bike to the the design of the software of the the, the tablet interaction uh, to whoever's uh, helping to design the, the the community I mean it truly yeah. is a community of people I was uh, telling my my husband that um, all of the instructors represent like an archetype of my of a best friend I have like the best Best <laughs> friend who's gonna like hype me up. Uh, I got the best friend who's gonna go to the club with me. I got the best friend who is gonna you know coach me through my my training, and it's just wonderful. And like I said the the Peloton community, and like I said the the, the the folks behind that I think are really designing a uh, you know a, an amazing. Um, Helping us all, like I said, with our shared values, and uh, they're putting their money where their mouth is. Like I think some of the the, the work that they're doing around uh, equity and inclusion, and um, supporting, like I said, young people. Uh, Shonda Rhimes, who I absolutely love, she did a whole thing. I was like, what? Yeah. Do- they have me. Sign me up. They have me pegged. So anyway, yeah. so I know it's a it's a there's definitely a privilege to having it, um, and it is uh, something that I said for me has been a daily dose of good design every single day for 33 weeks.
0: Yeah, that's the we- that's the daily dose. That's awesome. Thank you both for those great examples. That's our show. Thank you again to Yvette Perullo and Jesse McGuire for joining us and for their awesome conversation. And to our live audience, I wish I could hear you clapping. I'm sure you are. Thank you. And we have another live podcast episode on March 19th at noon Eastern. We have Kate Muse and Cliff Selbert, uh, both from SEGD. And the episode will be on experiential design and we'll post links to the resources we discussed on our episode page visit designmuseumeverywhere.org and click on podcast as always you can find us and follow us on social media we're on twitter at design underscore museum and on instagram we're at design museum everywhere plus we're on facebook and linkedin as well this episode was written edited and produced by the amazing Amory yates with production assistance by ryan flam and editing support by julia christian Our theme music is Orange Sunset by One Wave. For the whole team here at Design Museum Everywhere, thank you for listening and we'll talk again next week.